Greetings, greenhouse people, and welcome to another episode of Tech on Demand, brought to you by Grower Talks. I'm your host, Bill Calkins, and our goal here is to help you grow your best crop ever by sharing cultural and technical information based on discussion with experts around the globe, although sometimes we cover other topics in the horticulture realm like nursery and retail, and that's the case this time. I'm excited to be joined by a guest who has decades of experience working with greenhouses of all shapes and sizes, literally. Paul Golden focuses his time on managing sales of commercial greenhouses for Prospient Incorporated. He previously designed and built greenhouse facilities throughout the western states with Nexus. His experience serves the vegetable, floriculture, cannabis, and retail markets. He has an MS in engineering from Stanford University and grew up working in commercial production floriculture greenhouses. As a quick reminder, Prospient may be a newer name to the industry, but it's not really what I'd consider to be a new player in any way. Prospient is the company that's comprised of a number of legacy greenhouse structures companies we all know very well. Rao Brothers, Nexus, XS Smith, and a handful of others, each with a historical expertise and now combined to bring a comprehensive approach to structures for all markets. So let's get into the podcast where Paul and I have a fantastic discussion about how you should approach the decision to build new greenhouses or retrofit or repurpose your current structures to meet new crop needs or prepare for product mix shifts in the future. We look at many angles this episode from the physical structure and components inside to the people who work under the greenhouse roof. I learned a lot from Paul and I know you will too. Just as a reminder, be sure to subscribe to Tech on Demand brought to you by Grower Talks on your favorite podcast app like iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and most others, and that way you'll never miss an episode. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Awesome. So why don't we start at the beginning? Um, because we did choose today's topic for a reason. And when I think about greenhouses, I know for a fact that growers like to have new greenhouses. Um, and they often probably imagine life with the perfect structure that's got everything they need to grow the crops that they're growing for the upcoming season. And we could have taken this in all sorts of different directions because growers are growing annuals, perennials, woody trees and shrubs, cannabis, all sorts of different crops uh, in these structures. But why do you think it's critical to discuss how to determine if it makes sense to build new or refresh an existing structure? Great question. So, um, you know, obviously it'd be ideal if every time we build a structure, it was capable of being used for every crop down the road and, but uh, you know, budgets aren't unlimited, and and we do have to make compromises. So, um, you know, oftentimes structures are rehashed. And what I'll say, what I'm seeing right now taking place in the industries, there's a couple of different things. First of all, there's just um, there's a lot of concern about uh, inventory and, and being able to access it. Uh, you know, how much plant material there is available, and so folks are trying to do more production themselves. And in doing so, they're looking, you know, what old assets they have around the property that they might be able to rehash and, and um, reuse. And then the other thing I'll say is there's, you know, there's some other market driven um, uh, aspects that are causing people to grow different crops than they used to. 
and they're just looking to build new structures. So I think as a whole, you know, 2020 and 2021 were both record-breaking years for, for many growers. And, uh, you know, folks are trying to figure out how to produce more with either what they got or, or in a very efficient way. So we're getting this question a lot these days on whether we should uh, rehash or refresh old structures versus let's build some new. And a lot of it has to do with timelines too. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's some supply chain gaps taking place right now globally. And uh, that might drive people into one camp or the other, whether they're going to try to build new structure and wait for all the materials to be available or whether they're going to uh, rehash a structure, which also might have the same supply chain issues. No, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, you're right. I, I think we have, you know, we certainly have come out of two really good years. I think everybody's goal is how to continue the growth that we've seen. Um, it might not stay to the same level or, you know, percentage increase, but it's certainly uh, we're, we're positioned well for the near future. And I, he I heard someone say that traditionally we have been pretty lousy at retaining new customers and, you know, kind of building on growth, but that, you know, we certainly are in a new era. And uh, I think, I think it makes sense that, you know, some of that's going to come down to your facilities and, uh, and expanding to meet those kind of needs. And, and I think that's a really good introduction and positions our conversation pretty well. So thinking about both of those factors, um, you know, I think that when growers, talk and, and start to talk to companies like Prospient about whether to build new or refresh, I imagine one of the first questions you're going to get is, do my current facilities allow for the functionalities needed for the crops I'm growing now and the crops I want to grow in the future? Or, you know, are the, were they intended for a completely different use when they were built and are probably going to need major overhauls going into uh, the evolution of my business? So if you're presented with this scenario, which is pretty complex. Um, how do you, how do you talk to, to growers um, knowing that, that they're probably listening to this podcast and having some of these same questions? I don't doubt they are. So yeah, good, good question there. I guess, you know, the first thing, you know, if, if, if we're able to, we do a site visit, you know, we go out there and we look at these structures that are to be retrofitted. And we ask ourselves, first of all, are they even capable of being retrofitted with the type of systems that the grower wants to use. You know, we look at the, the trucks, the, the truss or the bow structures and we say, okay, can we put a shade system on this, for example, or some form of automated hanging basket line or irrigation boom. These are kind of the labor saving pieces of equipment we get asked about a lot in rehashes. And, um, and it really comes down to what structure are we starting with? You know, it, it was, a, is it gonna be capable of supporting this equipment uh, overhead or off the walls and things like that? And, is there too much other um, equipment in the way? You know, so for example, an overhead hanging curtain system, you know, we'll go into the house and if they have a ton of heat pipe ran throughout that house that has, or, or maybe even sprinkler systems or something like that overhead that, that causes an interruption to the, to the drive uh, shaft of the, of the um, curtain system, we know right away we're gonna have a challenging time trying to rehash a structure that wasn't really designed um, with this equipment in mind, maybe it was you know, designed years ago before this equipment was out, or maybe it was never intended to be uh, this kind of high-end uh, automated facility. No, I think that, yeah, I mean, you know, first and foremost, you got to take a look at, at what you got and, um, 
and, and is it going to work with what you want to install in there? Um, That's exactly the case. You know, what, uh, what happens a lot of times too is the infrastructure might not be in place. You know, we have to look at, uh, at the uh, gas and water lines, you know, there's a pressure going to be available for future expansion or is it even available to do what we're asking to do on this, on this rehash? Um, you know, electrical, you know, is the, is the electric, electrical system in place to, to be able to expand down the road or, or will it even have enough capacity to do, you know, run some basic equipment inside this greenhouse? The other thing we'll look at too is, you know, is the hot water heating system outdated? You know, these things have come a long ways. Uh, you know, obviously they get a lot of wear and tear over the years. They last a long time, but if it's already on a tail end of its lifetime, is it, does it make sense to put money into a, a new or to, to, to retrofitting a house with new equipment when, you know, one of the fundamental elements of it, let's say the heating system, if that's outdated, it needs replaced altogether. And it might be in the slab. It might be underground. Most likely it's running overhead, but you just never know, you know. That's true. That's true. There is a lot more to it than just the actual, uh, you know, steel pipes that are going up. I mean, you got to look at the water, the electrical. I know that always comes into play when you talk about upgrading lighting. I mean, frequently the the current electrical you know system in there can't even can't even handle the new the new lighting. So I think those are all really good things to uh, to keep in mind. Um, what else What else are you looking at when when you have that discussion? Well, you know, a lot of times the discussion is about about coverings, really, the glazing system, and uh, you know, somebody will. I mean, that's probably one of the most common replacements in the greenhouse, right? <laughs> Out of all sure. things. And, and they'll come to us and say, well, you know, we have an old single poly or single polycarbonate house and we want to retrofit to a double poly range or we want to um, retrofit to a rigid cover. You know, we got to look at the glazing systems because the glazing systems have as much impact on, on your heat costs as anything, really. It has as much impact on heat costs as, as the heating system itself. And so that's you know one of the areas a lot of people look to right now, especially with all the increases in, in heating fuels that they're seeing. Uh, you know, I just saw something the other day that said that um, natural gas was 180% what it was last year at this time. Uh, and, and it's you know, I don't know if any of these things are going to go down anytime soon. Obviously, they fluctuate, but but you know with that kind of twice the cost, roughly speaking, of, of last year. A lot of people are coming out to, to us and saying, hey can we retrofit our glazing system? And, you know, that's easier to do on some structures than others. Some structures, it's really not an option. You know, there's, there's no way to efficiently seal up uh, corrugated roof covering, for example, on a, on a um, ground to ground that has some, a certain type of hip wall that doesn't really, doesn't really cater towards, uh, cater toward that, that type of covering. So that's just an example, but it happens. There's, there's oftentimes we'll look at a structure and say, well, you know, you're really going to have to Frankenstein this thing together to put the glazing system you want on it versus build a new. You're right. I was just having a conversation about uh, the natural gas costs with someone this morning. And uh, I mean, look, it's there's some scary numbers out there. You know, like you said, if it comes to fruition or not, it's still, you know, that the, the heating costs and efficiencies are something you're always going to have to consider. Um, how about you know, something we had talked about was the en environmental control systems, which kind of goes right along with this. Is there uh, an element of that that needs to be considered when making this kind of decision? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, if you're 
if you're going to be doing major changes to equipment inside the greenhouse, chances are you're, you're going to be doing major changes to the control system. If it's an outdated controller and they still don't make the, the input-output modules for uh, expansion or it was limited to a certain number of input-output modules, you might be scrapping the entire controller and, and upgrading to one that's designed for expansion. So yeah, the, the, the control side could be uh, can be a pretty significant undertaking. And a lot of times it really requires getting a good control manufacturer out to the site to see what equipment you have and, and find out what kind of equipment you want to put in, what, what kind of automation you're looking to, to have on that equipment. Um, so there, the control side could be actually pretty, pretty uh, costly, to be honest with you. You know, some controls are as basic as a couple cents a square foot if we're just talking you know, multi-stage thermostats and a and a ground-to-ground -ground range. But uh, of course, if you have uh, you know, a very high-end controller it could be multiple dollars per square foot, depending on you know, what you're asking it to do, whether it's tracking the entire inventory and, and, um, and, and also automating all your equipment, all your, uh, all your product, um, what I mean, your automation and your automation equipment, not, not necessarily heating and equipment, but it's also managing, managing your, um, your benching and all kinds of stuff like that. That's true. That's true. And then all the, the transplanting and everything else that's happening, it's there, there's a lot to, to factor in. And I think that you just did a really good job at getting into the nuts and bolts of what, you know, physically needs to happen within that structure. So why don't we change gears just a little bit and talk about something that, that, you know, when we were, when we were getting ready for this podcast, you, you brought it up and I, I was, I've been fascinated thinking about it ever since. Um, is really that at the moment and into the foreseeable future, we've got all sorts of new challenges uh, like we've talked about. But one of these challenges that, that always comes up in every single discussion is labor. And I think the labor discussion is very different now than it was three, four or five years ago, um, but it's still a, a you know, top of mind subject. So how does how does this relate to the decision to build new or refresh? Um, you know, is one or the other more labor efficient? And then there's the whole people side of the business, which is, you know, we're, we're a people industry. Um, so I think that a safe and healthy workplace is becoming more and more important these days, probably rightfully so. Yeah, absolutely. I'll start with the people side, I guess, because uh, I guess that's probably where people are having most trouble. And then we'll talk a little bit about the labor efficiency. But um, obviously, you know, uh, employee retention is a big topic in this industry. And, um, and getting folks to come back year after year is, is, is sometimes a challenge. So you want to ask yourself, first of all, you know, the structures, uh, comfortable structures to work in. Would you want to work in there every day? And honestly, with this, with this, uh, the issues we've seen with H one visas and getting folks into work during COVID, we're seeing many more producers having to turn locally for for uh, help with labor, and uh, a lot of the local help they're finding, you know, they're not they're not accustomed to kind of this, these these harder working conditions. You know, they're not used to sitting uh, in a hot greenhouse, humid greenhouse, you know, with no shade for for hours on end doing hard hard work or whether it's even just a transplanting line, you know, it's, it, it still wears on you. So um, first of all, you have to look at your structures and where you're doing this work, where it's performed and, and ask yourself, but I want to work in there and can it be improved upon? And that might have a heavy, uh, that might weigh heavy on your, on your decision to build new. Um, 
now kind of getting into the efficiency aspect of it, you know, look at your structures and ask yourself, what's the product flow like? You know, can it be improved if I had a clean slate to work with and design from the ground up? I can't tell you how many times I've been to a facility that's uh, so parceled out, you know, half of it's on one side of the road, the other half's on the other side. We only have one germination chamber. Everything has to get cracked over here. We have to move it all across the street. We have to truck it, you know, to another greenhouse to be able to load it in. You know, how inefficient is that? Now, if you could, if you could somehow design a headhouse building attached to your greenhouses, do a gutter connect uh, and take it right from germination to propagation, um, you know, out in the greenhouses, would that be more labor efficient, for example? So look at the layouts of the existing structure and ask yourself, you know, is there, is there, is it unidirectional flow? Is material moving from one side to the other, or do we have it crossing paths and, and causing, and causing um, a jam up there or bottleneck there? And then um, also think towards the future, you know, with, with the labor concerns that we have, I think most folks are going to have to find some form of automation one, one place or another. So ask yourself, do these structures allow for um, future infrastructure to be put in place or maybe, you know, currently uh, for automation like conveyors, um, palletized benching or shuttles, some people might call them trolleys and carts. So, you know, you go to a big place like uh, Lucas's and you'll see, you know, they're, they're running around everywhere with a, uh, with a, a golf carts and, and, and a train of trolleys behind them to go from from the production or finishing areas over to the uh, over to the shipping yard. So, ask yourself: Is it laid out for for this kind of um, functionality? And, and oftentimes it's not. You know, a lot of a lot of times these houses were built decades ago or generations ago, and they were um, they were just put where they could put them or where it was easiest to run the infrastructure. You know, and that's you know, so just kind of built up in a spiral around the, the centralized point, and they might not necessarily uh, meet today's needs. No, you're you're absolutely right. I've been to many greenhouses like that that are both sides of the road, you know, both sides of the farmhouse, where wherever wherever they could drop a structure, they dropped them, and and that might have worked in the past, but as the operation evolved, it became extremely inefficient. And um, yeah, trucking product between your greenhouses is uh, never a good use of time. Um, I like what you said about, you know, would you want to work in this facility? Because I mean, that's, it's a golden rule, right? Mom, mom yeah. told us all that years ago. And, uh, but it is a, a good way to, to frame this discussion. Talk about product yeah. flow. I think that, you know, probably could be very much improved with the, with a new build. What about, um, uh, one of the one of the strategies you brought up when we were getting ready for this uh, podcast was multi-tiered production and how you walk into you know most modern greenhouses now and you've got rows of baskets over your head you've got you know it, it seems like there's more going on uh, above your head than there sometimes is below. Um, <laughs> well, how do, how does that factor into uh, into this decision? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think I think you'll see the majority of large producers these days are are multi-tier producers, um, and uh, and like you said, baskets overhead, containers down below, or flats or whatever um, down below. Um, obviously, you know that if you want to if you want to move towards that style of production, you have to have a tall enough greenhouse, <laughs> you know. And so if you're if you're looking to retrofit an eight foot under gutter carnation range. Uh, to a multi-tiered structure or multi-tiered production facility, you know, that's just not going to work. I mean, there's, you can't hire a four foot 
labor force, <laughs> four foot tall labor So, you know, people need to move around underneath and you got to have, you got to have a, um, you know, a, a, uh, some form of uh, equipment moving um, underneath all that product. So, so, you know, oftentimes the, the decision to go multi-tier will dictate going into a larger, a taller structure. And, um, and, and honestly, if you're not using that vertical space, you're probably leaving some money on the table. You got to think about it. You know, it's, it's, you're squeezing more dollars per square foot um, out of your facility, more production dollars per square foot by heating only you know, one space, but growing you know, maybe twice as much crop. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's a priority that I think most people are finding and they're moving towards. And the other thing I'll say is, uh, you know, with these with these vertical tiered systems, um, we're also seeing more and more equipment overhead. Not just uh, not just the growing system, but the you know, let's say it's a conveyor or a, um, like an echo line or something like that. For example, um, we're also seeing you know sometimes d- uh, single or double energy curtains in place, um, different styles of mixing fans. Uh, sometimes supplemental lighting underneath uh, all these different aspects here. So, you know, that's, that's really, that could really just drive the decision as to what type of structure you want for that, for that production area. You know, there's, there's really, you should be designing the structure around your production, not, not trying to squeeze that into a, a structure that wasn't designed for it. It's and really the, good, really good advice. You know, and it's and and it's it's actually labor efficient too. Going back to the labor aspect of it, you know, you have all this crop in one space. You know, it's easy to unload the the floors and then unload the the um, conveyor system overhead. So, you know, people aren't moving as far as they had to to load up trolleys and stuff. And kind of going back to uh, the multi-layer production and labor and ergonomics, a lot of times I'll see older structures that had um let's say let's say ground posts or ground stakes they might be gutter connected so let's just call them columns um every six feet for example somebody two bent this thing themselves and still fine structurally but they're you know they got a lot of columns in place it might only be 20 foot wide or you know under 30 foot wide and so they're kind of narrow houses uh, a post every six foot along the gutter line and the customer says, hey, you know, I really want to put in benches, but, you know, my benches in this case might only be 15 foot wide because I need an aisle down one side and, and my columns are 20 foot apart. And I want to put in uh, six foot benches, but every or five foot benches for you know, ergonomics of the reach, but and there might be movable benches so they'd have a movable aisle. But every time you move the bench, there's a column in the aisle. And so, you know, to do something like that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. At that point, you have to start looking, okay, should I be doing 12-foot column spacing on a new structure and putting six-foot wide benches in there so I know with a guarantee that I'll never have a column line fall right in my um, in my movable aisle. Uh, and I could also do a, you know, a wider span house and have fewer benches, reduce the cost of the benches by doing so, reduce the number of irrigation zones and all that other stuff, fittings. So... You know, doing larger production on, on, on a wider bench and a longer bench. It seems to me that a lot of folks are turning towards bench production, especially in propagation. Um, and, and it's oftentimes very challenging to retrofit a, a range with a number of different size houses and layouts so your benches, your irrigation zones don't 
all kind of have the same volume and, and the number of benches in the, in the climate zone don't have the same, aren't the same from climate zone to climate zone. So you're, you're really having a hard time planning that. Yeah, I think that it's uh, it's an interesting puzzle. Um, you know, th thankfully, there's folks like you out there that can help people put these puzzle pieces together in an efficient and uh, hopefully cost effective way. And that's what I want to move into next. You know, we talked about labor and efficiency. We talked about the, the you know, we've given a good overview of what the different, uh, um, I guess, uh, elements within the structure are that, that need to be uh, thought about. So let's talk a little bit about dollars and cents, because I know that that the the idea of building all new structures can be probably pretty intimidating, um, and and sometimes you'd think that just fixing up an existing structure might uh, might be cheaper. But I think there's there's got to be more to this equation, um, and and I'm sure that's a discussion you have uh, probably every single day and have for years. So how do you work with growers to think through a financial decision like building a new greenhouse? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll have a, I'll throw you a common example that I see. We have a lot of growers that have a structure on one side of the property and they think to themselves, well, if I can move that out of that one side of the property, I could do something else with that space. And then I can put it back up over here on the other side of the property and, uh, and make better use of that greenhouse. And I'll, and I'll rebuild that greenhouse as a as uh, almost a purpose-built uh, structure. So I'll put all the equipment I want to put in there, but, uh, but I got to take it down, move it and put it to another spot. And, oft and, and oftentimes the motivation for this, and, and especially right now, you know, steel and aluminum prices are all time high. Um, you know, the, the motivation is, okay, well, I don't want to buy a new structure. I'm going to just reuse what I already have. <clears throat> a couple of things come into play there. Um, first of all, Whenever you take down a structure and you move it, um, you're, you're, you're sub, you may be subject to having to get new permits for that structure and having to prove that it still meets today's building code. That could be problematic. Um, and, and then the other thing that takes place is, you know, taking down a structure is very labor intensive. Uh, oftentimes, you're not going to recapture 100% of the materials. You're going to have to get more materials. And, and so you're paying, on, you're paying for the labor twice to take it down and put it back up. And then maybe you're moving it just across the property, but if you're moving it, if you're actually freighting it, you're paying for that freight as well. And then the chances are a lot of the equipment has met its lifetime. And that's really what I wanna talk about here. Um, you talk about dollars and cents. People are always um, trying to reuse their equipment, but what they'll find a lot of times is once you take down an evaporative pad cooling system, for example, it's it's got little value to rebuild that thing. It's you have to basically build one new. The old ones were all aluminum style. The new ones are all PVC. The old ones are all leaky. You know the pad walls themselves only have a you know, four year lifetime, roughly speaking. So chances are that the cellulose pad that is chances are that equipment's met its lifetime and it's better off just being replaced. Um, exhaust fans they hold up pretty well, but same thing can be said about them. Motors get old. And, would be better off being replaced. Belts, you obviously are, are consumable. Vents are a big deal. Um, vents almost never get reinstalled the way they were originally installed. <laughs> they can be pretty pricey to do so, um, or even just to rehash. Let's say we're not moving the greenhouse. We just want to go in there. We want to rehash the, um, the greenhouse. Well, chances are you're going to be buying 
new heaters, new new cooling equipment, whether it's exhaust fans and, and mixing fans and, and intake shutters and intake shutter motors, uh, new vents. And all this stuff adds up to a point where, okay, maybe I'm spending a third of what I would have spent to build a whole new greenhouse at this point. And, and so it's surprising, you know, there's, there's, I'm not saying that this equipment doesn't hold up, but it does have a lifetime. And, and chances are that if you're trying to rebuild the equipment I listed there, it's probably better off looking to, to build a new structure from the ground up. For sure. For sure. I mean, it's all those, those intangibles. Well, I guess the very tangible, the permits, the, you know, double the labor to take it down and, and rebuild it. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that you can't reuse a lot of these materials because they do have a, a lifetime on them. And uh, really when you start to, to add it all up, like you said, the new heaters, new cooling systems, new vents. I mean, I would think a third is probably the low end of what that's going to what's going to cost yeah, you. Can, and, I mean, and at that point, you just got to do the math. Like it, it's probably makes a lot more sense to build a structure that's going to be intended for your use. Like you said, purpose-built structure is going to be better off in the long run. I, I agree with you there. There are some rehashes that seem pretty logical, right? Mm-hmm. Switch from a polyfilm cover to a rigid cover. If you, t- if you can't get the labor out there to, to replace a polyfilm every couple of years, or you want just something that has a longer lifetime, maybe a little bit better light transmission. Um, you know, those things are pretty reasonable to, to do if, if the greenhouse is built with that kind of foresight. Um, but, but some other things, you know, when we talk about large infrastructure elements of the greenhouse, especially the hydronic heating system, you know, there's not a whole lot of going back and rehashing those things. A lot of times it's, it's um, better to just rebuild. Sure, sure. Um... So as, as we wrap this up, I do want to get into one more point that, that you and I have talked about, um, and it's a piece of the puzzle that's really geared more toward your hybrid businesses, the grower retailers, which is obviously a significant chunk of our industry and probably a large percentage of our, of our listeners here. Um, I've been in a lot of greenhouses. I mean, I used to work with garden centers. That was my, my role for years. And there were greenhouses that were converted to retail, and you could tell. Um, I mean, I'm not doubting that they were able to sell product out of those greenhouses, but you certainly weren't going to roll a cart through the crushed gravel. You certainly weren't (laughs) going to, you know, people would get to the end of the aisle and you're standing there in front of a pad system. Like, where do I go? Um, it, it was not aesthetically pleasing and not very, uh, uh, consumer friendly. Um, and I used to, used to joke that it's like buying, you know, it's like buying a product out of the factory. Um, or, you know, buying your car from the mechanic. That's not, it's not the way you do it. There's a showroom for a reason. So what do our listeners need to consider when deciding to build or refresh for retail out of a production facility? Yeah, yeah. Um, Great question. And this has, you know, come up a lot this last year or two. Obviously, we've seen a a real uh, increase in in retail sales and, and, um, there's a lot of folks that just see opportunity in selling direct. So, so first of all, yeah, we've all been there. We've all been to the greenhouse that wasn't really designed as retail, but was being used that way. <laughs> you know, it might be storage half the year, and then the other half of the year they they bring in inventory and, and load it up. So, a couple of things you got to consider. First of all, they're just structurally sound. Look around. I mean, are the uh, foundations 
cracking, or, you know, are the are the truss are the columns sinking, are the gutters uh, leaking, um, are the fasteners sticking out of the thing and, and likely to catch on somebody. Um, the biggest thing, though, I'll say that it's jurisdiction to jurisdiction is you have to really make sure you're, you're uh, when you reuse a greenhouse space and you're now allowing the general public into it, it gets, you know, under the building codes, it gets classified differently. And if it needs to be either rezoned or, um, or re-permitted for retail space, these can present some challenges. And this might be one of the reasons why you would lead down the road of building a new structure as opposed to just rehashing. Um, first of all, if it's if it's been up for a number of years, getting it certified through building code is nearly impossible. It's it's just, you know, the codes change over time, whether it's wind, seismic, or snow load, there's all change over time. It's a risk category will change in the, in the eyes of the building department because at one point it was used as an ag building and now it's used for the general public. So it moves from risk category one to a risk category two, which is what most of your retail greenhouses are these days. And so with that being said, you know, a lot of things would change about the way that they view that structure. And uh, chances are, if you're going by the books, you're going to need to, you're going to need to build a new structure. You just can't simply rehash one to, to make it work. Um, a couple other things I'll note here, though, is, is, you know, oftentimes production houses are just not the type of space. They don't have the climate controls of a retail setting, you know, think about whether you, you know, let's say we're talking about a, a ground to ground um, house for perennials and, and you're planning on having people in there. Normally that house would be empty by midsummer, right? But now you're gonna have people in there during the peak heat of the summer, look at the house and say, is this house really able to be retrofitted with uh, let's say for example, pan, fan pad cooling system, you know, uh, could it be, could it be retrofitted to be able to do something like that? Or is it not an appropriate structure for that type of retrofit? I think you'll find that, you know, as, as we've seen in the last you know, few years, it's getting hotter and hotter every summer. And a lot of people, even if they're not looking to, to change production space into retail space, they're just looking to um, make the most of their production space. A lot of people are looking to add uh, more mechanical ventilation, more evaporative cooling to these houses, and, um, and have better climate control for, for a number of reasons. Sometimes people are having to hold inventory later into the season. Um, sometimes it's, you know, they're, just, they're getting freakishly hot seasons too, you know, record highs. And, and what they used to be able to grow in that space is, is um, bolting early or having other kinds of stress and they, and they need to retrofit these structures. So I would say, um, keep in mind that if you're gonna be taking one structure that wasn't used for the general public or, or, or maybe it, um, it's not even going to be used for the general public today, but you're going to have workers in there later in the season that you're probably going to want to add some form of cooling. And, uh, and oftentimes that does mean looking at a different structure. Exactly. Exactly. Like you said, check your building codes. You know, you want to do this by the books. You don't want to, uh, you know, you're going to be changing the use and the category. Um, this is going to be a big consideration. Um, it's not as simple as hanging an open sign on on the front of that hoop house. And and the ventilation point, I think, is is spot on. I mean, you you walk into some you know converted perennial houses, and it's like smoking hot in there, and mm -hmm. you know that customers walk in, 
look at the first few benches, turn around and walk out. And, and you're really not doing yourself uh, any favors uh, from a, from a retail side or from the health of the plants that are in there at that time of year. So um, those are, are very good considerations for our grower retailer listeners um, and for growers that are considering uh, diversifying in, into retail. So, you know, I really appreciate all this information, Paul. It's been a really good discussion. There's a, there's a lot to consider when making the decision to build new or refresh. Um, you've walked us through a really good uh, chunk of the information. I'm sure we could do a whole nother podcast on this because there's got to be a, a lot more to think about. So what have we missed? Is there anything else you want to tell the listeners before we close? And for sure, can you let the folks know how to get in touch if they want to talk to you or another representative at Prospient about their next greenhouse project? Like I said, it's a puzzle, but you know, you guys and, and your team at Prospient can really help put the pieces together. It really is a puzzle. And uh, yeah, the, I would say that if you if you want to reach out to us, certainly go to our website, prospient.com, spelled P-R-O-S-P-I. Ant.com. We are um, we are a combined company of a series of legacy companies: Nexus, Rao Brothers, Delta T, um, Golden Pacific Structures, Exa Smith, National Greenhouse Line. So you know we've got between. I don't know our combined age. I wouldn't even want to guess, but you know we're, we're one of the oldest greenhouse manufacturers in the in the country. You know certainly one of the largest in in, in the um, North American continent. So. So we have the, the expertise and the capability to come in and really help you with whether it's a rehash or whether it's a um, ground up construction. The one thing I'll touch on here and, and uh, that we didn't touch on is oftentimes labor to do a rehash is very challenging to find. If you're not gonna be doing it yourself, um, more often than not, builders tend to steer away from the risk of doing work on an older structure. And they're much more quickly quote you a ground up, knowing what they're having to deal with, you know, because any mistake on that structure from the ground up is really their mistake. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Fix it. If it's if it's a structure that's already in the ground, um, any mistake that was done with it is going to be a challenge for them to work around. And so oftentimes they'll just you'll find it challenging to to to, to find a third party um, labor force that wants to do that kind of work. And us at Prospian are capable of doing maintenance work, and uh, we're also capable of doing ground-up projects. Um, so I just wanted to let you know that too. That, that's great, and then that's the reality that 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 we all face um, is that you know it, the companies that are going to put this structure up are, might not want to take on that risk of of a rehash. So um, I appreciate that information, and I think that's something that. Is perfect to close with because um, it, it's it's something that might not uh, be top of mind when, when you start having this discussion. So, Paul, yeah, thank a, lot, you. a lot of times people get pretty far into, into, the, yeah. into the rehash design and pricing before they actually get to the point of going out and getting bids for the labor, whether it be the trade work, the plumbing, electric, gas, or whether it's uh, you know, structural work. Um, yeah, they find that out late in the game when they're, when they're playing a rehash. And that's that can be disheartening. Well, and that's when you start to hear those conversations about, yeah, I thought the project was going to cost X and man, it's doubled since then. And, you know, I've heard that a lot over uh, my years in the industry. And uh, that's something you definitely want to avoid. So uh, thank you so much for your time uh, and, uh, and all the expertise that you guys have. Like you said, it's a 
Prospian is an interesting hybrid of, of companies that, that we've all heard of and, and seen projects over the years. So uh, it was great to talk to you and uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Bill. Take awesome. care.